to The Raptor Show on the Sports Radio Network. Make sure you find The Raptor Show wherever you listen to podcasts and subscribe and please rate and review the show. A reminder, we're streaming live on Sports YouTube channel and airing live on Sports 360 Monday to Friday from 2 to 3 p.m. I'm your host, Wayne Lou, and I'm joined, it's been too long, by Blake Murphy, producer. Blake Murphy. How much? JR was right. I do have some hat hair going on. Oops. No, I was going to say, man, this is like, I, I like this um, longer hair, longer beard kind of look right now. Yeah. The uh, I'm juggling three sports at once. And, oh, that is uh, that there's, There is? are two Blue Jays games on right now. I'm doing a Raptors show, and our show at 5 o'clock will uh-huh. be heavily Leafs because it's NHL trade deadline week. Yeah, yeah. So what's this going on? This is the so- look of a man who has not gotten into the barber recently. All right. I'm, I'm going to give us two minutes for Leafs talk. Just so I have stuff to talk to my dad about, because my dad is an avid Leafs fan. Um, I'm not so much, but I pretend to be one because you know I love my dad. Um, so yeah, give me the give me the little two minute rundown on what the Leafs are doing right now. They're being extremely aggressive. So the Eastern okay. Conference in the NHL is extremely loaded. Five, arguably six best teams in the league are all in the Eastern Conference. Bit okay. of an arms race going on right now, gotcha. and they've managed to add four guys who will play meaningful playoff minutes for them without losing anything off their main roster. It's been all picks and prospects going out. So the cupboard's getting pretty bare long-term, but they've added Ryan O'Reilly, who probably slots in as second-line center. Um, Nola Chari, who slots in as fourth-line center. Uh, A PK specialist in Lafferty. And then Jake McCabe, who uh, they also... the, The NHL does this this great thing that I wish NBA teams could do yep. where you can retain salary and retain cap hit on a guy. Oh, so the right. Leafs yeah, get yeah. him for two more years beyond this year at half his cap hit. Um, so that's kind of nice. I, I like that too. I feel like it encourages more player movement and it, you probably have to give up much less picks to do it. It definitely yeah. does. Um, the, the one drawback of it is that teams will like, if you're a tanking team, if you're the Spurs this year, in the NBA, mm-hmm. you would just any, like they would have retained as much of Jakob Pertl's salary as they could have, so they get to the salary floor. Got you. Right, So, right. like, it, it's not a great... Yeah. It's good for player empowerment, and it's good for the players who are, like, more veteran and want to get to contending teams uh, down the stretch like this. It is not great for just teams finding loopholes to cut corners spending-wise. Yeah. But, you know, that's that's how it's always going to be, yeah. at least to some degree. You know, it's funny because when they put in the salary floor, I was like, ooh, okay, this is exciting. Because I think the one thing with the salary floor, so everyone knows the salary cap. People talk about this all the time. People know about the luxury tax. Um, the, the floor is, if you don't hit the floor, you have to pay the difference between your rostered salary and also the salary floor, mm-hmm. and everyone gets a bonus. Yes. And I was like, oh, this is nice. All right, this is kind of cute. And then, yeah, I, I don't think, I don't remember a single team has ever, since the rules been put into place, failed to meet the floor at least there's like are people <laughs> getting bonuses because if I, I you know that'd be nice well there there are instances where it's happened um i think the spurs are going to be far enough away oh, this yeah? year like the spurs have 22.3 million in cap space right now like that's okay, got to yeah. be below i don't have the salary floor number so when we trade so when we traded for yakaperto we've also made him lose his his bonus is that what you're telling me yeah oh that's um, tough so, uh, <laughs> yeah, that, but he also gets to play in this, and he'll get like a little right. uh, a playoff share or whatever if they make the gotcha. playoffs. Do so. they have a play-in share? Do you got do you got a play-in share? I hope uh, so, man. I don't. I don't know. I don't think so. That should be the that should be the prize maybe at the end of the play-in. Maybe it's something that they are negotiating right now as they look to finish up this new collective bargaining agreement. Yeah, we got a, we got a loaded set of topics tonight. Um, we're definitely gonna have to talk about. 
the CBA and, and that getting closed in. But, you know, as for right now, because, look, this is a conversation we had, um, you know, around the time of the trade deadline. But because uh, of the fact that Fred continues to to be out, although he is back today, congrats to Fred, third in a child born. Everything looks good on that front. So, you know, that's, that's great news. Um, now that Fred's back in the lineup, we can finally address the question of sort of who's going to the bench because I think that's the more pressing thing. We'll talk about the other stuff. We'll talk about the CBA. We'll talk about a lot of guys in the rotation. We'll look at this uh, the play-in chase a little bit as well. Let me just close out one thing on the CBA yeah, sure. talk because I have the number now. The oh, Spurs okay. are just shy of $10 million short of the salary floor right now. So uh, Doug McDermott, congrats, man. You're getting a little bonus. Nice. Um, I'd imagine they do it as like percentage of how much you take up of the cap. So Doug McDermott's their highest salary right now. So Doug McDermott's probably, their highest salary? Yeah. Wow. Doug McDermott, Devontae Graham, Zach Collins, Ken Birch. That's their four highest paid players oh, man, right now. Congrats to Ken Birch, man. Not only this guy, Hugo, you got a bonus for getting to the Spurs. You know what? He deserves it. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, that's it, it does actually come up sometimes. Huh, okay. I feel like that should be reported more, you know? I feel like NBA players should be on their Instagram, like, you know, like I feel like the, the Spurs PR team or 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 their version of Open Gym <laughs> is missing an opportunity where they have the camera out as like Brian Wright or whoever walks over with a check of like 800k to to uh, I don't know to to, to Doug McDermott. Um, the thing is, if you're a team that's spending 10 million dollars below the salary floor, I doubt you're spending money on like an Open Gym oh, okay. crew or something like that. Also, you know what? I feel like they should get the bonuses. I feel like- <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, people would pay people in this industry. But, um, yeah, so who's going to that bench, Blake, um, now that we've gotten away from the CBA thing? Because um, we're going to have to find out tonight. Nick Nurse will be asked about it again. He might play coy about it again. But for the most part, I think we need a very firm answer. And um, I imagine they probably already had an answer but prior to the Pelicans game. But, of course, Fred was ruled out, like, shortly before. Um, so maybe they didn't, like, inform everybody just then. But, um yeah, who's going to that bench? I think we can narrow it down to it's Gary or OG. Gary or OG. Pascal okay. and Scotty aren't going anywhere. The on-off stuff with Jakob Pertl has been so significant. He's obviously made things easier for yeah. the other starters when he's in there. And you have struggled to play Precious Achua and Jakob Pertl together. So bringing them both off the bench and Chris Boucher off the bench is just kind of untenable. So I think you it's... trade for him to, to bench him, man. Yeah, yeah. I, and I think that... I mean, it's a poor way to use your whole rotation. The only way this rotation really works is with one of the guards going to the bench and we'll include OG as a guard because mm-hmm. his offensive role lately at least is go stand in the corner and just jog corner to corner and yeah. hope this game you get passes even though the last two you didn't, uh, etc. I still am in the camp that Gary Trent Jr. is the most logical guy to go to the bench. Sure, He's the guy yeah. whose game is most suited to, you look at some of the most successful six men around the NBA, some of the most successful bench units, that ability to come in, create instant offense for yourself, um, knock down some threes, and the Raptors will still stagger their rotation so that one or two starters are always on the floor. Well, what are those guys going to need, no matter who they are? They're going to need some shooting. Mm-hmm. And we saw what it looks like when you turn to Joe Wieskamp for your shooting the other game. Uh yeah, no. that, that one's the, you know, that's one of those where it's like you, you see a Raptor sign a guy and you're just like, oh, okay, I want to get to the arena early so I can watch him. Right. Mm-hmm. And and he's out there very, very early as long with the rest of the third stringers. And I was watching the drills and I was like, at least maybe there's just the one day I saw him there. And I was like, you know, him and Jeff Down shooting about the same. Yeah. And it wasn't like automatic, automatic. Some people you, like even Duncan Robinson coming in. I know people obviously Duncan Robinson is a proven shooter, but he's always gets made fun of. 
Um, th- that man is super automatic when you see him wa- like warm up and stuff. You Big really difference, tell difference between a, a Duncan Robinson and Joe Wieskamp too is the quickness of the release. Okay, Wieskamp's a little slow and kind of methodical. Like he he shoots not quite like a, a big guy, but it's like a very slow release as far as like a a wing shooting specialist goes you You want guys who get that ball off quickly like gary trent jr even og that's a that's a real strength of his catch and shoot stuff yeah is um particularly if he gets that that pass in his shooting pocket is that that thing gets up right away you don't have to say anything man 0.5 seconds everyone else. yeah Yeah. 0.5.5.5 we've been hearing that that was a jerry stackhouse thing back in the 905 days yeah is within half a second like when we watch the tape back if the if there's half a second and you haven't shot passed or put the ball on the floor, yeah. like you're in trouble. You let the defense recover, um, which makes sense, right? Like how yeah. the whole Raptors' defensive philosophy is predicated on you could take a bunch of gambles and be fast and long enough to quickly get back in position. So right. your offense should try to exploit that too. Um, so yeah, Joe Wieskamp is not the solution for shooting. I think Gary Trent Jr. His skill set just makes sense with a second unit and being that microwave guy that comes in as the first sub helps Mm. carry those transition units. There's no reason he can't still close games if he's playing the best among those guys. Um, I would say on merit over the last handful of games, you can make a case for OG being the guy that goes to the bench. He just hasn't been quite, he completely erased Bojan Bogdanovic on Saturday, but he had one of his lesser defensive performances Sunday. Obviously the ball is not, finding him very naturally right now. Mm. Um, and when it does, that first game back, you know, he's one of eight on threes. You got to give him some opportunity to get the shot back. I, I think you watched the tape yeah. back. You'd still have him take six or seven of those attempts. Um, Speaking of eye tests, he's also been shooting it poorly in, in, in warm-ups and practice and stuff, he's also, which is normal. Like, you just come off of injury. Like he's also a weird shot. one where, like, you look at the splits. Like, he's at 43% from the corners on the season. Mm-hmm. He's at 38% on catch and shoot for the season. His overall numbers are poor because anytime he puts a ball on the floor and then shoots, yeah. it's really bad. Yeah. And no, I think the numbers are like with each successive dribble, his true shooting goes down by 10 percentage points. Which that's So zero that's is like 60, uncommon. one is 50, and like two is 40. And it's yeah. like, all right. It's not entirely uncommon. Yeah. Uh, you would want... You know, certainly on threes, that's not uncommon. Yeah, on, for sure, for sure. On twos, you would hope that those extra dribbles are getting you to the rim. Uh, yeah, so yeah. your true shooting percentage goes back up. But, yeah, I mean, the mid-range game isn't there right now. I just think, I also think that part of the argument for keeping OG as the starter over Gary Trent Jr. is OG's role and usage more naturally goes up and down. Mm. And that's obviously been a, a point of difficulty you know, we've heard reports about OG not loving that and stuff, and sometimes it can look awkward like it did against Cleveland. Yeah. But Gary Trent Jr. needs his touches, and Fred Van Vliet is going to have the ball in his hands a lot naturally. You you don't want to take touches away from Siakam and Barnes when those two are the only two really giving you something consistently night to night right now on offense. Yep. Um. So is there someone whose offense can sacrifice as the fifth guy in the offense or, or fourth if you consider Pirtle the fifth? I think that's more naturally OG than Gary. Yeah, no, that's fair. Um, I, I still don't think he'll he'll bench Gary or, or OG though. I really don't. That's think what so. I mean. Is yeah. is I, I think Gary's natural for the bench because he makes more sense yeah, as a right. bench anchor, and because OG makes more sense as the low usage starter. Yeah, um, I think for Nick, he definitely wants to. I mean, let's let's not let's not kid ourselves. He's going to put his best defenders in the starting lineup, right? He has OG on on Scotty. You're saying on, Jeff Doughton starting? Is he one of the best starters now? Or, or bench start uh, defenders now? But um, OG and Scotty, I mean, uh, obviously didn't work against Cleveland, but we have seen it work against Cleveland in the past where, you know, you you had him on Mitchell and, and Garland. That that shows to you, 
And that's a very consistent thing that we've seen Nick do. Like, those are the guys that he wants against the opposing ball handlers, opposing wings. Um, I think he's going to stick to that. Now, I think the bigger question, because I agree with you, I, I do think most likely it will be Gary. Um, who's? How do you sort of close games? Because there's two scenarios where I'm, I'm looking at it, right? A late-game scenario, you're protecting a lead, and late-game scenario versus you're chasing the game. In those two scenarios, who is actually on the floor? Because I don't necessarily care so much about who starts. I think players care about that, but I think more importantly, it's probably about who finishes games. Um, and in those two scenarios, protecting a lead versus chasing a game, who's on the floor for you? I think protecting a lead, OG's still out there. You look, especially an opponent tonight. Yeah, you need OG oh, on oh, Demar. Yeah, right. Course, like, yeah. like Demar is unbelievable and is still one of the best closers in, in basketball, and has just like. If you remember any of the detractions about DeMar DeRozan as a Raptor, like, they're all gone. He still doesn't shoot the three, and he's at, like, 60% true shooting every year now on monster usage, and he never turns the ball over, and he shoots the mid-range more and better than just about anyone else. You need OG on a guy like DeMar DeRozan in a big spot. And again, he didn't play particularly well over the weekend, but he took Bojan out of that game entirely. Sure. Yeah. Bojan had, I think, 11 points in that game. Yeah. Um, also, shout out to Dwayne Casey, by the way, for uh, not getting Bojan back into a very close game until the three-minute mark. That's that's good tanking right there. Yeah, that that's is. very good tanking. But anyway, come on. That's great. Now, some teams could learn uh, learn a lesson or two about that. You you see some some teams winning games they shouldn't be lately. Yeah. All the Orlando right. Magic got a – Jesse Mermis needs to hit up yeah. Dwayne Casey and be like, hey, who? Wh- how do I bench – how do I justify benching Paolo until the just, final minute? You just be like, oh, my bad. I put the wrong Wagner in the game. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh, sorry. I thought the whole time it was Franz. Yeah. Oh, yeah. we signed Michael Carter-Williams. He, uh, he's oh, yeah, going to play again. Yeah, that's wild. What a weird – Michael Carter-Williams and Willie Cauley-Stein both got signed this week. What a, What year is it? I, honestly, if you have a lot of length, like, people are going to keep yeah. giving you chances, man. Raptors got to sign John Henson so Eric Green can die happy. Wow. Yeah, that's what's that's what's keeping him from doing that. Huh? Yeah, John Henson. <laughs> yeah, that's All it. Right. Um, no, I, I agree with you that who closes is the most important thing. And like you look, there are enough minutes. Like, I think I, I said this with you or maybe I said it somewhere else. But say Boucher gets his 20 minutes. Yeah. That leaves 31 minutes per game for the seven guys above Boucher in the rotation. If if they keep a tight eight man rotation, could any of those guys really complain? Like, let's say that 31 minutes gets chopped up of okay, the main guys are playing 31, and then everyone else, you're going to get your 20, and then those last 10 minutes will be distributed based on who's playing the best or mm. who fits the matchup the best. Could anyone really be mad about that? Like, Precious's minutes have suffered since Pirtle got here. I don't feel like he's done well off the bench. He's been also quietly disappointing. Precious, you mean? Yeah. It's a it's a weird fit with Pirtle right now. Like, it's sure. that's only yeah. a good fit, or that's only a tenable fit if... Precious is knocking down threes and defenses are respecting it. Yeah. And I, I was a little surprised when I looked at the numbers, actually, that uh, Precious is only shooting 26% on threes this year. It feels way higher. It feels higher. It feels like he he throws in some ones that I think that um you really need during the momentum swings. But at the same time, you also watch it and you're like, he turns down a lot of threes right now. And you, I don't, I don't think mm-hmm. you give the defense that impression that you're going to shoot. I feel like last year at this time, Precious Lachu was shooting everything, and defenses were closing out on him. Even uh, so, if you go back to January 10th, yeah. um, he's shooting 35 percent on three since then, but still right. only two attempts a game. So are you? And he's give, being left open a lot. Given all the challenges the Raptors provide with their size and stuff like that, are you really sacrificing the extra body in the paint to close out on Precious Lachu? I don't think yeah, so, right? No, like so. The him and Pirtle fit will be a little awkward. But again, I think Pascal, Fred, and Scotty are more or less locks to close games. Mm. 
hurdle in a, in most scenarios is, is probably going to close because even if it's a smaller opponent, you can go a little more drop style with him and like like he's still going to have value. The question with him is does he stay out of foul trouble? Yeah. Enough to be in the game down the stretch and then do you like if you have a lead it's it's a, he's an interesting one because if you have a lead, you definitely want him in there for defense, but you worry a little bit about him getting intentionally fouled. Yeah. So maybe you're doing some creative substitutions or whatever, but I think either way, Siakam, Van Vliet, Barnes are locks. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, I, I don't think you've seen the last of OG and Gary being the fourth and fifth guys in that lineup, the lineup that they started with so much this year. Sure. Yeah. Um, I, I think we'll see that at times. I think that's probably their, we need to come back quick lineup yeah. like down okay. down yeah. eight to ten points with a with a few minutes to go um Pirtle obviously helps the offense and then the numbers bear that out so far but um you need some shooting if you're going to try to close a gap quickly so right um but yeah it, it's hard to imagine a scenario where unless og is having a very rough game offensively that you wouldn't want wouldn't need his defense out there yeah like he's still your best individual defender by like oh, a pretty good margin yeah no that's the thing like is, I mean, we'll see it tonight for sure. I mean, like, if I had to guess, OG is going to be on Damar and Scotty will be on Zach Levine and Gary will be coming off that bench. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and I think that's where you got to think about it from Nick's perspective. He's really focused on the defense first. And yeah, if you do need more scoring down the stretch, I think that's where Gary's going to come in and, and play extended minutes. But I am hoping that maybe this balances out in terms of the scoring over, or, overall because a lot of these games you watch, it's like, okay, the Raptors' high score off the bench was like six or seven points. And it's like Precious got a put back here and Chris Boucher got a transition dunk here on a random three here. And like Jeff Down got four points. And it's like, okay, but like your offense dropped off significantly when these bench guys came in. Mm-hmm. So that's where I feel like, you know, if you're able to find a good role for Gary in that stretch. And listen, Gary did do well off the bench um, when, th- when that happened in November. Although when I asked him about it, he was kind of just like, I don't know what we were doing as a team. <laughs> <laughs> um, and this is the thing too. And like this, so much of this yeah. comes down to how a coaching staff communicates this and yeah, how they sure. manage it and stuff. But like, I, I get sometimes people think that, you know, saying, oh, Gary Trent should be the one who goes to the bench. And they take that a, as a negative or, or a shot at Gary or something like that. And I understand that. But really, if you're looking at, a team that's trying to win right now. And really, if they are trying to win right now, which they are, uh, um, they really need these wins against teams like oh, Chicago. Tonight's a must win. It's, it's, it's about a must win, man. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Man, how much did Alex Wong miss calling games must win? Oh man. That's um, tough, man. We you need though, time. like you need to look at these things as how do you optimize the entire eight or nine man rotation over 48 minutes and yeah, it, it maybe sucks for Gary Trent Jr. to be the guy that has to change his role and move to the bench. But it's in a lot of ways a compliment about his offense and how you trust him to get his 18 or 16 or 20 points um, no matter what role he's in. And, and yeah. I think a lot of that's in how you communicate it. Um, always tough when guys go back and forth between roles. This is why... You know, going back to the championship year, Nick Nurse has always talked about wanting to have flexibility in the starting lineup and get guys comfortable with both. And that's a really great thing because then this decision wouldn't be that hard because everyone's familiar with it. But the reality of it is there are egos and dollars on the line for these guys. That was also a veteran team with championship Mm -hmm. aspirations. This is a young team with um, you remember aspirations. You remember Quebec City, though, the run it back training camp. Yeah. It's like, oh, we have eight starters. Yeah. I didn't, I don't know if they I didn't even that, have eight rotation players when the season started. They have eight guys who will start on this current Raptors team. Yeah. There's no doubt about that. But um, yeah, no, I mean, 
I mean, I don't know. I, I, ideally, you would platoon. The thing is, I don't really even see a platoon scenario here. Like, I I don't know. I mean, it's not like I would want to smart, start small against the super small teams in the league. Maybe. But, I mean, aside from that, I don't really see a platoon scenario. I mean, speaking of Yak, like, what's your impressions on, on Yaka Pertle? Uh, we've, we've had him for six games. Now the Raptors are four and two. Um, one of those games was a blowout, obviously, against Cleveland. That wasn't his fault. Um, and then the first game, he came off the bench, and he was just freshly here, and he got into foul trouble, and the Raptors lost it down the stretch, where I feel like he should have closed that game out already. Um, but, yeah, I mean, you know, they're, I'll check that they're plus 19 and it's 163 minutes with the Raptors, which is pretty good. Um, you know, that's you're winning, like, pretty much every game by five points with him on the floor, five, five six points. So, yeah, what's your impressions of Jakob Pertl? Do you see it as a long-term fit? And, um, yeah. Let me hear your yak takes. Yeah, I feel pretty similarly to how I felt on deadline day, which is that he helps his team. He's a like maybe offensively, I've been a little surprised with just how much he's helped. But we talked about it, like get, getting this team someone who immediately slots in as their strongest screen setter, their best screen setter when it comes to angles and switching the direction of picks, um, easily their only rim running threat, and a guy who is basically a one-man offensive rebounding crew, yeah. which so far the transition defense has actually been really bad since Pirtle got there. Yep. But logically, it should be better because you have Pirtle in there to chase offensive rebounds. You don't have to have your your wing guys or your corner guys crash as aggressively to still come up with offensive rebounds. Um, so I've maybe been a little bit surprised at just how extreme that impact has been. I think mm -hmm. we're going to see it go even higher now that Fred Van Vliet's back and he has, you know, a real pick and roll partner. Yeah. Um, Scotty improved a lot as a, as a screener and a roll man, but I still think you want to use Scotty in a bunch of different ways. Right. Um, so I think that'll help there. But, you know, we talked about on, on deadline day how much he naturally fits in on the defensive side. And I wrote that big dot, that big deep dive on their defensive struggles prior to the trade deadline. And the conclusion was basically, yeah, a lot of this stuff makes sense and a lot of this stuff can work, but it would all be way easier with a, a natural rim protector or a rim deterrent back there. Yeah. So not particularly surprised that this team has been almost 10 points per hundred better defensively with Pirtle on mm -hmm. the floor. The That gap is going to regress because nobody has that kind of impact. Like we're, we're talking a Jokic level impact for Pirtle so far. Uh, 99th percentile All right. on off that. impact, according to cleaning the glass so far. Get behind that. Yeah. Um, 41st percentile on offense, 100th percentile on defense. So wow. uh, I don't gonna, know we're that another it's... Raptor comparing themselves to Rodman. I <laughs> had three last year. Maybe Jakob Pirtle will be the, the first this year. I don't know that it'll maintain at that level but yeah. i think yeah the the fit's pretty obvious the questions are still you know if Jakob pertle takes this team from the 10th best team or 11th best team in the east to the sixth or seventh best team in the east okay why like yeah that that is still the question and i thought that that Cavs game even though it was without fred van vliet was a nice little reality check after a really fun run of beating bad teams you still got to win those games. Yeah. There's a lot of positive in there still. The Pelicans game, I'd argue, is still a quality win. Oh, the Orlando game was was excellent. Yeah, yeah. and but like twice in there, you barely beat Detroit. Yeah, and I mean, you coughed one up to Utah. Yeah, I know. And yeah. like, and those aren't good teams, and they're not teams that are trying to win right now. So, mm -hmm. um, that's I, I just think they're like I'm I'm pretty confident they're the sixth or seventh best team in the East right now. I would have said maybe fifth a couple days ago, but the Knicks continue to look awesome. Yo. Like the Josh Hart fit is really strong. Yep. And, uh, you know, some of their season long metrics are just like, like it's hard to 
deny it, even though I, I look for reasons to because it's the Knicks. Mm -hmm. Like, of course, I don't believe in Julius Randle and the New York Knicks. Like, they're the Knicks. But Jalen Brunson is great. Bro. Julius Randle is a scoring Bro, he's machine. Been great too. Like, that, there's really yeah. no you, – it's hard to even slander yeah. Randle anymore. I hate it, but – I know. You can't. He, he's got nothing defensively, and, like, he still does this thing where sometimes he, like – and I, I love this about – a personality like he yeah. wants the tough assignments on defense yeah, yeah, yeah. and yeah. he'll ask for them and then pascal drops 50 <laughs> so um you know there is an element sure, of he yeah. gives some of that back but they've got a great environment around that they're yeah. they're pretty well coached and, and like they're doing all this while rj hasn't been particularly good right. offensively so i don't know i'm starting i'm not a believer that like they're gonna knock off any of the the top teams in the east but bro they're, they're getting great results i'm looking yeah. at their, their their recent games too like a lot of a lot of blowouts in there, a lot of legit wins. Like mm -hmm. the, like when you think back on the Raptors season, you're like, okay, what made you believe in the Raptors? It's like, what are these signature win moments? The season opener. Okay, and that's right. it. Uh, you know what? That that made sense at the time. <laughs> um, no, but if you look at the Knicks, they're like, yo, we beat the Boston Celtics twice. We beat we went toe to toe with Jason Tatum and uh, Jalen Brown in overtime and beat them. Right. Um, we, we beat we beat the Heat, who are we're trying to keep behind us. We we beat the Sixers, who are playing everybody tough in the Eastern Conference. Like you know, there are these like moments to hang your hat on and it reminds me of last year when the raptors were making that push and i was like man the raptors like okay, same thing triple overtime against the heat played the celtics super tough beat them right past guy like that 40 in, in one of those celtics games um you know you, you think about okay they played they beat phoenix you know all these other things and you're just like okay there's yes the record isn't like they started a little bit slower and they were 500 for a while but they started making that push up and you started realizing that they had another gear that's what I kind of feel about the Knicks right now. Who knows if it'll work in the playoffs? I mean, they're definitely a first round out for me, but but right now they're flying high. So yeah, and they've had a couple lulls. Like they've had two five game losing streaks. Yeah. So you you can obviously see how things unravel pretty quickly for them. Mm -hmm. Um. But you look at the last little while, and you're right. Not only those marquee wins, but they're 11 and four over their last 15. Yeah. And two of those losses are tight overtime losses to the LA teams. Yeah. Which I think are understandable losses, right? You still want to have those. They were both on home court, but you can understand losing the Clippers for and sure. Lakers in overtime. For sure, for sure. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I think anyway, this is to say that the Raptors are obviously better now. They're more impressive. Would I put them any higher than sixth in the East? Probably. Probably, not. like on, on quality, probably not. And then you get back to, unless you think this group is going to take another step forward chemistry-wise and stuff, or you just nail that mid-first-round pick... Um, and that's assuming everyone gets brought back, which we can talk about in the second half. Um, you know, sixth in the East isn't all that inspiring, even if you think with a full team together next year, they could be fourth best in the East, say. Yeah. Um, it's okay. a lot more fun day-to-day, -day, though. Sorry to interrupt. No, I mean, it is what it is, though. I, I, I do enjoy watching the Raptors play basketball with Jakoproto in the middle now. It's not like they're constantly having to cover for something, you know? Like, they're not negotiating through games. They're just playing their best lineups, and, you know, sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. But I, I think, yeah, obviously, yeah, it's been a good addition. Um, I don't even know why I asked this question. Last thing before we go to break, the Jeff Doughton report, I'm giving this two minutes. Okay. And right, I want to start here. Is he the actual solution at backup point guard, or is this another Armani Brooks situation? Mm. No offense to Armani Brooks, by the way, who I actually really liked. Yeah, I, I like Jeff Doughton Jr. a little better, and I think that that's in part because um, he – can defend or with yeah, Armani yeah. Brooks. It was like, Oh, he's a shot maker. And then like the, he's a, eye, shot, he's a shot taker. The eye test was a little better than some of the numbers and reputation maybe on Armani Brooks defense. But, um, you know, he obviously didn't, didn't do that well enough through the off the early off season stuff to stick around. Um, I liked Doughton back to, to last year in the G league. 
Um, he was kind of a standout and one of those, you know, one of the things you want to look for in the G League, this was the big Paul Watson thing, is how much does a guy improve from the start of the year to the end of the year? Mm-hmm. Because it's one thing to come into the G League and just be good. Yeah. A lot of guys are good in the G League. Reggie Perry just got traded away from the 905. He's been a 20-10-5 and five every single game since he got into the G League like two and a half years ago. Yeah. Um, but that's not enough for for everyone necessarily so um Doughton showed some in-season improvement which is really good um he can defend at at a pretty capable level you're obviously seeing Nick Nurse turn to him initially when a Malachi Flynn or someone like that isn't getting it done defensively or doesn't trust them uh Cleveland was a good matchup for him even though Garland and Mitchell were excellent there's only yeah. so much you could do yeah right um, Jaden Ivy was a guy who he got uh, a lot of responsibility on mm-hmm. uh, you look ahead to tonight and you're I don't think size wise you want him on Damar or Zach really? or Zach Levine so maybe tonight's not a spot for him um but you look ahead to the Washington games and yeah he can he can hang in those matchups um the other thing is like he has started to He's not a three-point shooter. Like, like he needs to improve that, obviously. And, it's, like and have a, it's, it's like a weird set shot for a guard. Yeah. It reminds me of almost like DeLon, not in the form, but in like how long it takes, Yeah, how and, little he jumps. Yeah, and so it's it's interesting that you've gotten the chance and you'll get the chance again tonight, I'd imagine, to watch him and Weiskamp warming well, up together, oh, right? You know I'm going early, man. Yeah. Yeah, that's um, right, man. I'm going to be down there at 4.30. There you go. Yeah, uh, I'm going to be no on reason. air. So, <laughs> No, don't uh, you know I'll set up a periscope for you, boy. Thank you. You. You, could, you, could, you could put on the TV right here where we're seeing uh, – the Jays right now, 4-1 over Detroit, and one the, out the top of the inning. <laughs> the thing that, uh, yeah, Anthony Bassanil. Um, The thing that Doughton does a little bit to make up for the three-point shooting, and you've seen this a little bit in a way that it's almost like you almost raise your eyebrows because we're so accustomed to guards from the 905 who come up and down having so much trouble with that adjustment of it the old Lorenzo Brown thing where you had the highest usage rate in the in the G League and the yeah. lowest usage rate in the NBA yeah it's like there's got to be a balance there and I think Doughton has at least shown some confidence to create for himself mm-hmm. and the confidence that he can get two feet in the paint at the NBA level yeah and I don't think he's going to be an elite NBA scorer no I think he doesn't prob- need to be though no his his ideal outcome is probably a defensive specialist who is a non-zero offensively um but he can get into the pain. And that's something that's pretty novel on this team. He's a little better at that than Malachi Flynn. The other thing too is like, he's 25 years old. This was his third year in the G league. Like yeah. he, he's also at the point, like he better be able to show that he can give you backup minutes right now. Cause otherwise it's Europe. Got you. So I, I think he's probably feeling the, the pressure of that. And, and that this is probably going to be his biggest NBA opportunity um, to, to show this stuff. So um, I've been impressed. I like them a lot in the G League, like I said. Um, I don't think it's, you know, enough that you're changing your future. Like, I still think you're going in this offseason being like, yeah, if you could get a backup point guard, that would be yeah, that would sure. be good. But I'm comfortable with the rest of the season. He's ahead of Malachi Flynn and Delano Banton on the depth chart. Malachi That's got clear. the chances yeah. that we'd been asking for him to get, mm-hmm. and it was still a little up and down. Delano Banton's still been up and down with the 905, and now he's hurt again. He sprained his thumb today in practice. Damn. Um, so I don't, know, I don't know what Delano's path to getting back into rotation opportunities even looks like. No, and this is the thing that's so dangerous for for guys who are low draft picks or um, second round picks or anything like that. It's just like, man, like you you get a couple of chances to sort of take it and run with it. Otherwise, your window is really small, and then you're like really having to prove it from the G League. And 
Um, yeah, it, it's tough. But I think for Jeff, though, I think, you know, he he has won that trust from Nick, which I think says a lot in terms of the defensive um, aspect. And we're not even asking him to shut down, like, star players, right? I mean, like, I, I think that's asking way too much out of him. And the Raptors have much better guys to do that on the team. But for a coach, like, they'll have so much more an ability to put you in the game if they can trust that you can guard your position. Let's just start there, right? Tonight, it's like, can you... You know, when we put you on Alex Caruso, when we put you on Ayo Dasumnu, when we put you on Patrick Beverly, can you make sure that you don't make enough mistakes that that we can actually keep you on the floor? Because the last thing the coach wants to worry about is that even a reserve can't guard their spot, especially right. guys who aren't bringing that much offensively. And I like the little bonuses he gets offensively, but for me, it's starts with the defense and then the rest of the stuff. And he, he's, he feels trustworthy. Like the way I'm watching him right now, he, he doesn't turn the ball over that much. And you know. I love the way you frame that with the look across at the guy who's playing your role, right? Yeah. And can you not get beat by that guy? We actually, we had Chris Versteeg on uh, Fan Drive Time yesterday, yeah. and obviously that's a hockey comparison. Right. But we were asking him about some of this, you know, depth guys. The Leafs adding all those guys means that some guys' roles are going to shrink, right? For Someone's sure. in the Gary Trent spot of you just lost your power play slot, and now you're on the third line instead of the second line, and you don't have Mitch Marner setting you up, right? Mm-hmm. Like someone is going to get hit with that and how do you manage that as a coaching staff and for Stieg had gone through that a bunch and he said like one of the things that was pretty consistent with the coaching staffs was at the bare minimum if you want to make a case for more mm-hmm. you look across at the guy if you're the third line right winger you look across at the third line right winger on the other team and you have to outplay that guy if you're yeah. Chris for Stieg, you have to outplay Mason Raymond yeah. If you're William Liu, you have to outplay Assad. Oh, I thought like, you were have to outplay Alex on the pod. No, I'm, I'm, I'm like, trying to keep I think it, I'm good, actually. I'm trying to one. keep it position specific, you know? That's a oh, size mismatch. That's unfair <laughs> to Alex. That's, that's uh, so you got to outplay Assad. Uh, I don't know Assad will get injured by the end of the game anyway. Don't I worry don't about know, it. I don't know, man. It's hard to get injured when you're shooting from 35 and making them. <laughs> you know yeah. all about that. Um, anyway, <laughs> we're going to take that break. All right. We're going to come back with playing talk. We ran out of time with that yesterday. We have to look at the playing picture because that's where the Raptors are right now. So uh, we're going to take that break. I've been your host, Will Lou, and you've been listening to the Raptors show on the Sportsnet Radio Network. Have you checked out Bet Rivers yet? Download the Bet Rivers online casino and sportsbook app today. Get in the action this basketball season with thousands of betting options. Plus, don't forget about Bet Rivers Sportsbook award winning customer service. It's a whole new game with Bet Rivers online casino and sportsbook. Must be 19 plus, available in Ontario only. Please play responsibly. If you have questions or concerns about your gambling or someone close to you, please contact Connects Ontario at 1-866-531-2600 to speak to an advisor free of charge. Discussing the biggest stories that matter to Toronto sports fans. The Fan Morning Show with Ailish Forfar and Justin Cuthbert. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to the Raptors show on the Sports and Radio Network. I'm your host, William Lou. Continue to be joined by Blake Murphy on a uh, pretty gloomy Tuesday in Toronto. Okay, we're going to quickly talk about the play-in. Um, this is my least favorite topic, but this is where the Raptors are right now. Um, so, the play-in picture as it is. So, the Raptors are chasing the New York Knicks for six. Uh, everyone is chasing New York Knicks in the sixth spot. That is the place to be if you want to be safe. Except the Knicks are actually just running away with this thing now. We talked about it in the first half. They're also in fifth now. They're in fifth now. Who's in sixth? Brooklyn. Oh, Brooklyn. Okay. Well, yeah. Okay. There's 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 still there's still enough talent on that roster where they can sh- they should be able to hold on to it. But regardless, though, like it, it's 
I mean, I'm, everyone's impressed with the Knicks right now. They're, they're having a really nice year. Um, Miami was sliding a little bit, but then they had a clutch win over the Sixers last night. Raptors are three games behind them. Atlanta has now changed coaches. Um, and the Raptors are one and a half behind the Atlanta Hawks. Um, because it's not just about escaping the play-in. It's about escaping the uh, the 10 and the 9th spots in the play-in. The Raptors are currently in ninth with Washington one game behind. Chicago, who are in town tonight, are one and a half games behind Toronto. I know this is a sad topic. We've got to talk about it. Um, what's For, your What's your impression on where the Raptors stand on the play-in at the moment? I think the goal, I mean, they can say the goal is sixth. But the Jump, goal is like seven, eight. Yeah, jumping multiple teams and in the process and erasing a five game gap mm. when you only have 20 games left feels pretty unrealistic oh, seven eight, seven eight is the goal so for anyone who doesn't remember or wasn't paying attention in years past um the way the playing works is seven hosts eight nine hosts ten the winner of nine ten plays the loser of seven eight for yep. the final spot so if you finish seventh you get a home game and if you lose that you get another home game yep so that's great two cracks at it at home two games are a playoff revenue uh, it's it's oh, a Get wonderful excited? thing. It's a wonderful thing. You can have, have that playoff sushi twice. Yeah. If yeah. you finish eighth, you get at least two cracks at it still, even though you don't sure. start yeah. at home. And then, oh, we got Ricky Tiedemann on the mound. I have no Jay's idea top prospect. Yeah? Yeah. He's got a nice tat. Yeah, he's got some good sleeves. I like a pitcher with uh, with a good sleeve. You know, it makes yeah. it, it makes the, every pitch look cool. Shout out to Brandon League back in the day. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You see, we always believed he had potential, even yeah. though... You know, it was awesome. he, he had, had a injuries. Good he had injuries. Yeah. Things, right? um, anyway, so then if you're ninth, we're dying you, to talk, not talk yeah. about the play. If man. you're ninth, it's <laughs> one and done, and at least that game's uh-huh. at home. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure. So you got to win two to to get in. You lose one, you're out. But at least it's at home. So ten is uh, not a great spot because you've got to yeah. win two on the road really quickly to get into the playoffs. Now, at least if you lose the plan, you still get your tiny little shred of lottery odds. But sure, yeah, cool. Adam Silver just daps you up and is like, sorry, you guys had a tough season. Here's one lottery ball. Yeah. You're not going to get one B with this. Here's a single odd. Yeah. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if it actually was a single odd. Yeah. I mean, look, as of right now, like the Raptors are in tough. Like we're in really close, mm-hmm. right? Um, you know, I would say Atlanta is slightly above and I'm, we'll see what Coach Snyder does, uh, does there. Um, Quinn Snyder, I don't know why I called him Coach Snyder. Like he's my coach or something. I don't know, Quinn. Um, but you know, like, obviously, the Wizards and the Bulls, like, the Raptors are nowhere close to being safe. And we will not feel safe until, like, pretty much the last night of the season. So, no. we're going to have to keep looking at this. There's also, there's an interesting element here where, I mean, they play Chicago tonight, which is an important one because Chicago's right behind them. Yep. Um, they've got two against Charlotte, one against Detroit, one against Indiana left. So, you have a couple of those... Hey, those should be, those are scheduled W's. No, th- those are must wins at this point. You've got to win those games. Those are must wins. Uh, you also have three against the Wizards still who are right behind you. You got to take at least two. Yes, because you could have the tiebreaker against all the teams around you except Atlanta. Yes. Atlanta has locked in that tiebreaker. You've got one left against Miami as well that could mm-hmm. lock up the tiebreaker. So you are in control of a lot of games against these teams you're jockeying with. Um, the other thing is, the Raptors' strength of schedule right now looks difficult, but a big tr- part of that is that they close the season, Boston, Boston, Milwaukee. Yeah. If the one seed in the East is wrapped by then, that mm. could actually not be that difficult a week. Right. So right. if you're in a position where those games matter, the final week for seeding and things like that, um, maybe that's not as bad a position as it as it looks on paper right now. So you're telling me there's a chance where, let's say Boston beats the Raptors in that first game, 
they lock up first. Then the second game, they rest everybody, and the Raptors need that game. Mm-hmm. And we're in tight against Sam Hauser and Luke Cornett and, and Peyton Pritchard. Oh, man. What, what have yeah. we fallen to? Yeah, no, honestly, just talking about this reminds me so much of the 2010 Raptors season. Um, that was the last time the Raptors were, like, consistently floating around 500. And whatever, that year was all about was if Chris Bosh is going to resign or not, and ultimately mm-hmm. he left to join the Heat. But that was the year was like, okay, we're in that race. And I'm just like, <laughs> damn, we're back in some of those times. Not to say that the roster is the same. I do believe they're underperforming. At that time, they didn't have a Scotty-level prospect or even someone. In, well, Chris and, and, and Pascal, I suppose, were having similar seasons. Um, they but, missed the playoffs by one game that year, by I the know. Way. I know. That's what and I'm talking about. They had we're, a, back in a, those time. we're back in 2010. Five-game losing streak in April. And missed the playoffs by yeah, one game. Yeah, remember he Chris Bosh broke his face and mm-hmm. he, he he just he couldn't get back in. No in face. Time. Wow. Unlike when uh, a certain other franchise superstar got injured down the stretch uh, a couple years before that, and then the Raptors went on a ridiculous all-time run to make the playoffs without Vince Carter. Right. Right. I forget the year on that one, but it was. Oh, seven. better than 2010. Yeah, that's for sure. Yeah. Um. So that's the playing picture. Um. <laughs> look forward to that five minutes every day, just like a little sobering. Like just like uh, you know, this is what's going. On. And you gotta get a sponsor for that, and it's just like like online mental health services or something yeah. like that. Yeah. Oh, that's wild. Like uh, the the one of those like mindfulness apps or something. Yeah, yeah, calm. Yeah, we yeah. need calm or something. Yeah. Um, if you need calm, by the way, listen to Just Piano by FKJ. All right. If the Raptors lose tonight, um, and, and you are finding your way home walking from the arena, and you put on some headphones, listen to Just Piano by FKJ. It'll calm you down. All right. Um. Yeah, what else do I have in here? So the CBA yeah. is, is being close to being ratified, um, uh, and they're looking to have it done. I think the deadline got pushed back a couple times, as you as it would. I mean, we're writers. Right? We know what, what pushing back a deadline looks like. Um, so it's going to be the deadline's the end of the month um, in March, and but it does seem like they're pretty close. It seems like it was described as sort of dotting the I's um, and T's, right? And so um, a couple of things that you're probably going to see in this new collective bargaining agreement, uh, probably going to see lowering... Um, luxury tax rates in terms of like it's not going to escalate as much as it currently is right now because it does feel like it's really keeping teams from ever going into the luxury tax unless you're a Golden State or the Lakers or something like that. Um, seems like the salary cap will continue to increase. That's not a surprise. It seems like load management's a big issue. We can, we've definitely heard a lot of noise about that. And of course, this has been publicized for a long time, but it seems like the NBA is going to scale back the uh, the minimum age to, to 18 again. That's that's a lot to sort through. The load management stuff, I don't know what the answer is. The only thing I can think of is shrinking from 82 games has long been a non-starter. Mm. With half the league having regional TV deals up in the air because of the Bali sports uh, potential bankruptcy and stuff, right? maybe there's a scenario where the number 82 becomes slightly less important because half the league is renegotiating new regional sports deals. We know that the national TV contracts have taken on larger and larger importance uh, over the years. I'm probably being too hopeful around that. I just don't know how you, how you negotiate around load management stuff when, first of all, it's been happening forever, despite what the old heads would have you believe. Yeah. Second of all, injuries are slightly down from where they were before. So whatever they're doing is is not working great, but it's working a little better than it did before. And all we do is tell players and teams all year long that nothing matters except the playoffs. I hate that, though. I know. I really hate that. Because, you know, for someone who has to do a daily show and someone who's just straight up a diehard fan of the Raptors, yeah. every game matters, man. Yeah. You can't tell me a game against Orlando doesn't matter. 
It's one of my favorite wins of the year. Yeah, you and Nick Nurse right there aligned. Oh, on. You got to play everyone. Um, I agree. And and look, some of that stuff, uh, we can't really figure out the impact on the Raptors just mm-hmm. yet um, because, you know, I, I certainly think as they ramp back up and try to be competitive, less making the first step into the luxury tax less punitive yeah. would help a lot of teams in the Raptors situation, right? You wouldn't have a scenario like... Um, you know, that year where they traded Bruno for Malachi Richardson at the buzzer just to make sure if certain things happened down the stretch, they didn't end up in the luxury tax. Like, yeah, you can yeah. probably just be chill with it and not miss it. Like, you would have those teams like Houston and in the Harden era that stop ducking the tax by, like, a couple dollars just to duck the tax. I think right. that's the aim. And the owners want to make it even harder for the Lakers and Golden States of the world to spend at that level. So um, I think we're going to see like a a shallower dip into the luxury tax pool and then much steeper penalties from there. The one thing that we can say fairly certainly would impact the Raptors though. One of the notes in Shams' piece is that the league and union know that the rules around contract extensions need to change. Mm. Right now, the rules around contract extensions are such that it made almost no financial sense for Fred Van Vliet to work out an extension with the Raptors in the offseason. Yep. The way things stand right now, you could give OG Ananobi the biggest possible extension offer that he that you're allowed to give him in the in the offseason, and his camp would say, nope, non-starter. What is, the, what is that? It's like 25-ish? Uh, yeah, it's four years, and under the current system would work out to four years, 100.2 million. Yeah. So he's definitely going to get more than 25, though, on the on, on, on I would think so. so I would never think say so. that. So what they're discussing is increasing how much you can give uh, for a raise on the first year to where, given the current ban they're negotiating between, that four years and 100.2 could become anywhere from four years and 116.9 to four years and 125.3. So maybe you're not comfortable giving OG four years and 31.3 million per year. Yeah. But what that does for you is it opens up that entire range to negotiate with him mm-hmm. where before you couldn't even discuss what 27 per year looks like because it wasn't legal. Yeah. Now, at least you have that room to negotiate and figure it out. Um, we don't really know if they're going to change the rules around extending trades, uh, but the way that things are right now, OG's camp probably would not be open to an extended trade because you can only get two extra years on there this off season. So um, this has the potential. And, and to be clear, the CBA currently expires in 2024. My expectation from talking to people around the league is mm-hmm. that if this got done by March 31st, what they would do is either opt out of the the CBA so that it ends June 30th, 2023, and the new CBA just starts on July 1st. Okay. Or at least amend certain aspects of it so that, you know, uh, OG Ananobi's extension class is not gotcha. unfairly hurt. Like, I, I think they remember back to 2016 when there was the free agent bonanza and a lot of the rule changes disproportionately helped one free agent class. Right. And I think they want to try to avoid some of that stuff this time around. So um, they should, if, by the way. if this goes through and we get confirmation that that stuff kicks in July 1st, 2023, instead of looking ahead to 2024 changes, um, some of this analysis we've done about how do you keep all of these pieces long-term, it doesn't change in terms of, hey, here's the number and here's how you got to fit it under the tax and, uh, and the cap rules and stuff, but it does open up at least the possibility of 
you can negotiate something with OG Ananobi where you have that certainty of what his future is with the team. And you can hopefully through doing that, avoid these questions of, well, what's my role in the future? Does that affect my money? Stuff like that. These things, these whispers we've heard about, you know, OG's discontent with his, his role, however true they are or however important they are, you could avoid that by giving him the contract and saying, look, if your usage drops to 18% or it goes up to 22%, you got the same money. So like, let's, let's win. Let's do this. We're committed to you. Um, I don't know that that would happen, but the odds of it happening certainly go up. Yeah, for sure. Um, From zero. No, it's good. I'm so I'm hoping for the CBA to uh, to get ratified then. All right, uh, quickly before we go, um, it's time for between the lines. Brought to you by Bet Rivers. It's a whole new game. The line for tonight's game, where the Raptors are hosting the Chicago Bulls, the Bet Rivers is uh, Raptors minus five. Um, as we described, this is a must win. Both teams are pretty healthy. The Bulls have been really good with Patrick Beverly now joining them. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he's the play-in specialist, so he's he's been brought in to sort of land the play-in for. Uh, for Chicago here, um, it's going to be tough, man. But I, I, I do think the Raptors need to take this. So I'm going to take the Raptors for me. But what about you? Uh, I, I think Patrick Beverly, you remember that Russell Westbrook quote? Pat Bev tricked y'all like he plays defense. He, he doesn't guard anyone. That is like a perfect sum up of these playing teams in the East. Oh. It's like they're they're tricking people night to night into thinking they're doing something. Oh, uh, on, and then it's not going to matter when they play uh, against good teams. Um, I'm going to lean Raptors. I think the Fred Van Vliet addition is going to be fun to see offensively. And, and as good okay. as the Bulls can be, um, they're not a particularly strong defensive team uh, either. It'll so, be tight, though. I, I can see this game being like, it's going to be hard fought. Yeah, what, what did you say the, the line is? Minus five for the Raptors. Ooh. Yeah, I think it'll be tight. You know DeMar is going to want this one, too, in Toronto. Yeah, I know. He's one of the league's best closers. Actually, battle of the two of the league's most uh, most clutch field goals, Scotty Barnes against DeMar DeRozan. Uh, okay, all right. Uh, the play-in sounds exciting. Boy. Yeah, man. Yeah. Um, anyway, that was Between the Lines brought to you by Brett Rivers. It's a whole new game. Um, yeah. I can't believe that you you mentioned Jeff Doughton Jr. versus Pat Bev earlier when we were talking about Jeff Doughton Jr. And we're now back to that as a marquee piece of this play in preview. Oh, oh man. Who's going to play better defense? <laughs> I don't know. I, I hope it's Jeff Doughton tonight. But anyway, that does it for us today. I've been your host, Will Lou, and you've been listening to The Raptor Show on the Sports and Radio Network. Make sure you find The Raptor Show wherever you listen to podcasts and subscribe and please rate and review the show. Thanks again to Blake Murphy, our board producer, Derek Brandale, and Jennifer Rolnick for helping us with the YouTube stream. And we'll be back to recap that Raptors-Bulls game tomorrow. Stay tuned.